Amen. Amen. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Uh, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Yes, sir. Brian, open us up, please, sir. message is works. Nope. Grace. Yep. Got two questions for you. And I would like a show of hands. Oh, no. Class participation. Oh, man, don't you hate that? First question is this. These are easy questions. Who wants to go to heaven when they die? Okay, looks pretty unanimous there. Okay. Who knows, without a shadow of doubt, they're going to heaven? Okay. Two very different questions. Okay. If you were to ask people around the community and maybe even here or uh, around the world, they would, uh, if you ask them, why you want to go to heaven? And I almost think the universal answer would be, I want to miss hell. Okay. But, you know, when you think about heaven, there's a lot of good things that you can think about. Did you know that? You see, when you think about heaven, it is where God resides. Do you get that? God dwells with us, and his home is in heaven. We get to think about where Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us about heaven. He said it is a place of perfection. Do you get that? Place of perfection where we will see the most awesome sights and hear the most awesome sounds and things that we cannot even imagine, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, no, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, or the heart of man can imagine what God has prepared for his people. We can't even imagine how great heaven will be. In Revelations 4 and 5, we read about this great worship service if you will, where the Bible says there will be myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of us gathered around the throne, singing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, worthy is the Lamb to be slain. And we will spend eternity praising Him because of what He's done. What a great and awesome thing. As we think about heaven again, we think about its goodness. We think about it'll be a place of love. Won't be any hate there. Did you know that? No hate in heaven. It's going to be a place, the Bible says, there is no death. And there's going to be no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no tears, if you would. No sin and no temptation. I don't know about you, but that is a really a good thing. Who would not want to go to heaven? Boy, I know I do. But you know, the other option is, is not quite as nice. Did you know that? The Bible talks about the other option is hell. 
And hell is a separation from God forever and forever and forever. Separated from Him forever. Not a nice thing. The Bible talks about it as a place of torment and pain and suffering. It talks about it's a, pi- a place of darkness and isolation and being all alone. The Bible says it is a place of regret. Hell is a place of regret. Because you see, I believe when you are planted in heaven, in hell, I believe you will remember every time, every time you sit in a church service and that preacher pleads with you to come accept Christ as your Savior. That's going to come up to you. You're going to regret the fact that you could have skipped this place. But for eternity, you'll remember that guy that said, man, all you've got to do is come and accept Christ as your Savior. And you didn't do it. I had too much pride. I didn't want to do it. I, didn't, I, I was afraid of what people might say. And I sat there in that pew and I just didn't move. Or I thought to myself, you know, next week maybe is a, will be a good thing. And I procrastinate. And we, what we find here is, is hell is full of people that had too much pride to humble themselves to accept their Lord and Savior. They had too many people that said tomorrow would be a good time to do it instead of today. And of course we know we don't always are promised tomorrow. Hell is a very difficult, difficult place. It is a place of no return. It is a place of no escape. It is a place that does not have a back door. And it is a place that you're there forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. You'll never escape that place. The Bible talks about it as a place of fire and brimstone. It is a place, the Bible says, you'll be salted. Your flesh will be salted with fire. It's a place, the Bible says, that you will have the same desires and the same addictions that you have here on this earth that will never be satisfied. You see, the alcoholic will crave a drink in hell and he'll never be satisfied. The addict will crave his drugs when he's in hell. He'll never be satisfied. Can you imagine forever and forever having withdrawals from that stuff and never Able to be satisfied. The prostitute will look for love forever and forever and will never find it in hell. You have the same desires and the same passions and they'll never be satisfied. That's what hell is. There will not be a place of endless parties. You hear people say, man, (laughs) I won't go there because my buddies are going to be there. And we're going to party and we're going to have fun. And the Bible says, no, you're not. You won't even be around your buddies. You'll be in a state of of darkness, in a state of isolation, in a state of loneliness. Because, you see, God gives us fun. He originated fun. He said, this is what I want you to do is fun. And when you are completely separated from holy God, guess what? There ain't no fun there. There ain't no happiness there. There ain't no smiles there. None of that's going to happen. You're going to be isolated and lonely. And you'll be salted with hell. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to go there. Hell is a real place. And it is a place for those who have rejected Jesus as Lord and Savior. Boy, that's good preaching right there. You know, the Bible says everyone in this room, 
Everyone in this room will be in one of two places. Every person you see at the grocery store, every person you see outside these walls, every person that lives in Custer County, Oklahoma, United States, around the world, the Bible says you will spend for eternity in one of two places. And the beauty of this is, it says, the Bible tells us, it says, we get to choose. <laughs> Did you know it? We get to choose. We get to choose if we want to spend eternity in heaven or we want to spend eternity in hell. We get to choose that. We have the right to choose. And God says, I'm going to let you choose. I'm not going to force you anywhere you want to go. If you choose, if you choose to be separate from me, if you don't want to have anything to do with me, God would say, if you want to reject me here on this earth, he says, that's great, that's fine. I will honor your request and I will let you reject me for eternity. That's how much he loves you. You don't want to have anything to do with him here? He said, that's great, that's fine. That's what, your, that's what your destination is. But if you do choose me, you want to be a part of me, you want to accept me as Lord and Savior, then sure, I'll give you a home in heaven. I'll give you that home in heaven. You know, the question is, how, how not to secure a home in heaven? <laughs> you know what? There's lots of theories about how not to secure a home in heaven. I want to give you a couple of those today and, and just try to, from God's word, Tell you some things that are just not going to fit for you, okay? I'm going to try to dispel some of the rumors out there and things that people think that will get me to heaven that won't get you to heaven. And the first one is I want to talk about the rich young ruler in, in, in Mark 10. And we know this story of this guy, okay? I mean, he, he believed that he was a really a good guy, this rich young ruler. He'd done a lot of nice things for people. He, uh, he knew the scriptures, he thought. He thought he kept all the commandments. At least he thought he did. He didn't, but he thought he did. Okay? He believed that if he just kind of just said a few good things about Jesus and kind of flatter him up a little bit, that, that Jesus would be impressed with him because he said, man, good teacher. I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the best teacher I've ever heard. And of course, sometimes when people flatter you, they want you to return the favor, don't they? Yeah. Rich young ruler thought getting to heaven, he could get in heaven by his wealth and his riches and his possessions. He really thought that Jesus would be impressed with who he was, would be impressed with his social status, what he was like in the community. And, and, and he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, he kind of knew, but he was just kind of just buddying up to Jesus. And what we found in that, in that story was, Jesus wasn't impressed with him, was he? He wasn't impressed with his wealth. He wasn't impressed with what he knew. He wasn't impressed with his social standings. What did Jesus tell him to do, if you remember that story? He said, he said let me tell you something, bud. He says, here's what you need to do. What? He said, go take your possessions, your pride and your joy, the things that you depend on the most, the things that are most important in your life. And he said, go sell them. Take the money, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And as best I can tell, that's the only time Jesus ever told somebody to do that. Okay? But you see, Jesus has to be number one in your life if he's, if he's going to be in your life. Jesus doesn't want to be number two on the hit parade. He doesn't want to be number three on your hierarchy of important things. And see, what he's telling this young man was, 
I want to be number one in your life. I want you to seek me first, not down the road. I want you to depend upon me and not your riches. See, Matthew 6, 24 says this. He said, no man can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll despise the one and hold on to the other one. No man can serve two masters. And that's what Jesus is telling this young man here. Nobody can serve two masters. He knew where his heart was. He knew what he wanted. He knew what his priorities were. Jesus said, no, I got to be number one. You see, getting to heaven does not involve being a good person. Getting to heaven does not involve being a nice person. Getting to heaven does not mean saying nice things about Jesus. Getting to heaven has nothing to do with how much money you have and what your possessions are. Getting to heaven has absolutely nothing to do with you knowing Scripture or you obeying some of the commandments. It has nothing to do with that. But if you were to ask people around the world today, how do, how do you get to heaven? They go, well, I, I think being a good guy is going to get me there. I think my good works versus my bad works. And when we kind of balance those dudes out, if I got more good works, yeah, he'll let me in. If I don't, he won't let me in. I'm here to tell you that has absolutely zero to do with securing your place in heaven. You can't be good enough. Your works can't be good enough to secure a home in heaven. The rich young ruler found that out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, the religious leaders of their day, they thought they had the answer for a home in heaven. You see, they believed that if they kept over these over 600 kind of laws that they had, had thunk up, if you can just keep the law and do it, live perfectly like that, you got a home in heaven. They believed in traditions, that traditions were the most important thing. You see, this is how our forefathers did things. This is what we've done in this church forever and forever. And it is a tradition. And and the Pharisees said, we're going to keep up with these traditions because that's where salvation comes from. The traditions were just as important to them as God's word was to them. You see, for them, it was all about religion. You see, for them, they wanted to dress up nice and and go to church on a daily basis, to go to the temple where everybody could see them, and they could strut around and say, boy, look at them dudes right there. Man, they are religious. They must be somebody special, because look who they are, because they like that. They wanted that that, uh, notoriety, if you would. They walked around in pride and thinking, I am Somebody, because I am religious, I go to the temple every day if I can to get cleansing, if you would. They gave large sums of money, thinking that would get them to heaven. Jesus was in the temple one day, and he was kind of sitting back away from the the front of the church, and he has disciples there with him, and and all these Pharisees would come up and they would bring their coins and they would throw their coins into the, into the money box. And they would throw it in there such a way that, that it made a lot of noise, okay? And they wanted everybody to say, the louder the noise, the more those, those coins jingled when they hit the bottom of that little box there. I mean, boy, they got it, gave a lot. 
And they would try to outdo each other. Of how, how, what's the biggest noise they could make and throw all that kind of stuff in there. Giving as much as they could, boy, because they wanted everybody to know that they were somebody and they got some money. And I'm going to give it to God. Boom. Rattle, rattle, rattle. And Jesus was sitting back there and he was watching all this going on. And after these high and mighty guys who believed that was going to get them to heaven, these Pharisees, there was a little lady that shuffled up to the front. Probably had walked with a cane. Shuffles up there, drops her two little mites in there, and shuffles back to her chair. And Jesus goes, disciples, let me tell you something. I'm going to teach you a lesson. He said, that lady right there who gave a penny gave more than every one of these Pharisees combined. Gave more than every one of them combined. And they go, that doesn't make sense, Jesus. He said, yeah. He said, she gave what she didn't have. She gave it all. And those Pharisees, those religious fanatics, gave out of an abundance. She gave out of nothing. And Jesus said, she gave more than everybody else. You see, the Pharisees believed religion was what was important. Matthew 23, 27, Jesus kind of answers them when they were talking about their religion and not their relationship. Here's what Jesus had to say about these folks. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness. You see, they spruced up on the outside. But on the inside, they were nothing. That's what religion is. And that's not what relationship with Jesus is. They thought religion was where it's at. Living perfectly was where it's at. They thought tradition was get them to heaven. They thought giving large sums of money would get them to heaven. They thought being in the temple would get them to heaven. And Jesus says, no, none of that. None of that will get you to heaven. People today are just like that. We do those kinds of things. We think if we come and we give and we've done all that we need to do and we'll be secure in our relationship with him. And surely Jesus will be impressed with all of that. And he says no. In verse 33 of chapter 27, Jesus also clarifies this. He says, woe to you. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? You see, it's not about religion that they thought. It's all about relationship with Jesus Christ. They thought they could earn their way to heaven. Absolutely not. And Jesus tried to correct them. There's a third group I thought of. From, John, uh, from Matthew seven twenty two, And you, this is familiar verse 2, I think, probably for many of you. It says, Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not perform miracles in your name? You mean, you would think that would get somebody to heaven, don't you? You would think that would be good enough. I mean... 
prophesied, teaching, preaching, casting out demons, miracles. And Jesus said in the next verse, he said, I never knew you. Depart from me. It's not what you do. It's not religion. You know, today, people today, we, we can learn all the religious language vocabulary. I think most of us got it all down. We know the religious vocabulary. We can talk that talk, you know what I mean? We can surely do that. We can memorize verses, and we can sing all the songs just to sing at the top of your voice. And I hate to tell you that, still not an assurance of salvation because that's on you and not on him. Verse 21 of that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Okay? It's not about religion. It's not about works. It's not about what you've done. not about what I can do. It's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. The world will tell you different. The enemy will tell you different. He will say he is full of baloney. But straight from God's word. It's all about a relationship and not about religion. Being a good person won't do it. Knowing the, the scriptures won't do it. Flattery won't do it. Wealth and riches and possession won't get you to heaven. Social position and status won't get you there. Keeping perfectly the law won't get you there. Adhering to tradition won't get you there. Pride and religious position won't get you there. Mm. Giving large sums of money to the church won't get you there. But let me just add a little footnote here. We'll sure take it if you want to give it, okay? Let me just throw that in right here. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven, but drop it in there anyway, okay, boys? <laughs> Falling a religion and not a relationship will not get you to heaven. Performing miracles, casting out demons, preaching and teaching the word won't get you to heaven. Knowing the religious vocabulary, memorizing scripture... Won't get you there. Knowing everything else you need to know won't get you there. What's the point I'm making? I'm trying to make this real simple. You can do nothing on your part. Nothing on your part that will get you to heaven. You understand that? Nothing. I had a lady tell me one day, boy, she said, man, I hope all of my good works outweigh all of my stuff that I don't do will get me to heaven and that's a prevailing attitude I'm going to tell you this church Arapahoe First Baptist Church if you don't hear anything else today that will not get you to heaven your works your goodness none of that will get you to heaven Matthew 19 15 that Jesus was talking to the disciples and they asked Jesus a question he says who can be saved if 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 the rich young ruler can't be saved, and he was such a great guy, who can be saved in the next verse? 19 and 26. And looking at them, Jesus said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's only because of the mercy and the grace of God that you and I have ever, will ever be saved. Nothing that you can do. I don't know how many times I've got to say that, but I want to emphasize that point. 
Because you see, salvation comes from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That great, great verse. Where it says, for grace you've been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And not of works, lest any man should boast. See, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your works. It is all because of the grace of God that you would be able to ever have a place, a spot in heaven for eternity. Don't let anybody tell you any different. That's where salvation comes from. This past Wednesday, uh, we, were, we were talking in our, our Wednesday night class there and having a good discussion. And, and uh, somebody said, I won't say who it was, Mick, but somebody said, and I think I'm paraphrasing, that wouldn't it be sad if somebody came to church all their lives and were never saved? That's where this message has come from, just that thought. I was going a different direction today, but that just hit me. That just hit me like a ton of bricks. What happens if you've been in church all of your life and you've never been saved? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says it this way. It says, test yourself. And he's talking to Christians. Paul's writing to the Corinthians. And he says, test yourself if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? He's telling all those Christians, I want, you, I want you to examine yourself. I don't want you to doubt your faith, but I want you to examine yourself. I want to test yourself. Is, is Christ really in you? Does the Holy Spirit really come, has come to you at the point of salvation? And that's what he's asking and, you know, if you've never truly been born again, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, and, and maybe, you, maybe you think you have, but you know you haven't, I've got really great news for you. Did you know it? This is the best part of the message. <laughs> okay. This is the good part. John 3.16 tells us this. <laughs> for God so loved the world. And who's the world? You and me. That he gave us his only begotten son. Who is that? That's Jesus. That whosoever believeth on Jesus shall not perish in hell, but have everlasting life in heaven. You can't get any better news than that. Okay? That God loves you, sent his son to die for you. You don't have to perish, but you can have eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. It don't get any better than that. God loves you. He sent his son for you. And he has given you an opportunity. To skip hell. If you will just accept him. As Lord and Savior. 2 Peter 3, 9. And uh, you should know this verse. Because this is printed on every bulletin. That we've ever printed in this church. Since I've been a pastor. Matter of fact, this is the verse that's on your backside of your T-shirts. Okay, I, I don't know if you know that. Because I mean, obviously you can't see back there. But trust me on this one. This is printed on your on backside of your T-shirt. The Lord is not slow about his promise, like, as some count slowness. But is patient towards all. Not wishing any to perish. But all come to repentance. 
I'm so thankful he was slow for me when he let me live my life for 12 years. And yet he was patient with me. Some of you lived longer than that, 30, 40, 50 years, and God still came to you and you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm so glad of his patience, if you would. You see, God wants, he wants the vilest offender in this world, guess what, to be saved. The people that you don't even like, that they've done such horrendous things in this world, God's desire is for that person to be saved. God's desire is he wants the nicest person in the world to be saved. God's desire is that he wants church-going people to be saved. Okay? That's his goal. That's what he wants. He wants those kind of people to be saved. And how does that happen? And here's some good news. How does that happen? If that's what he wants, let's give it to him. The first thing I think we've got to do is recognize that we all are sinners. The one thing that keeps people from coming to the Lord in most cases is they don't believe that they're a sinner. They just, they're just they just being a good person. We have been told from the beginning of time that, that your, your personality, we're not going to warp it with following God's word. We're just going to tell you how great you are all the time. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, we've all done that. Well, you say, well, I don't believe that. I'm a, I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm a pretty good old girl. I don't, I don't sin. Well, let me ask you a few questions, okay? Is there anything more important in your life than God? You shall have no other guys before you. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Have you, have you ever used God's name in a, in a, in a way that uh, uh, is not requesting his help or not praising him? I've had two people in his church, two people I know and two people I love, this week used a phrase that was not conducive of praising God. I'm thinking, oh, how can you do that? Or we, or we say, OMG. That's an issue. If you're not praising God with, when you come out with his name, and it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you that's a sin. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the teeth shirts say. I don't care. By God, I will do this. No. No, it's using God's name in vain. Don't do it. And I say that with every law, all the law I've got. Don't do it. OMG is just another phrase. Oh my gosh, no. That's the same phrase, I'm just telling you. You can disagree with me if you want to. But it is. Stop it. You recognize that you are a sinner. If you do that, you are. Have you skipped church because you just don't feel like going? Okay. You ever, you ever uh, uh, created your parents, uh, not treated your parents right? Yeah. Have you ever murdered anybody? Well, I finally got one I don't have to deal with. Okay. 
What did Jesus say? If you have hate in your heart towards your brother, it is as if you have murdered him. Oh, man, Jesus. Come on, man. Have you ever committed adultery? Well, I ain't done that either. What's, what's Jesus' standard? He says, if you have lusted in your heart after someone else, you've committed adultery. He puts a high standard on there, higher, a lot higher than ours. Have you ever stolen anything? It's just a paper clip from work. It's just a staple. It's a tape. You ever lied about anybody? Just a little bit. Those are just little lies, little white lies. I mean, we're, we're good with that, aren't we? Little white lies. God's Word said, don't bear false witness. You ever covet somebody's possessions? He said, don't do that. And I look at that list and I, I have, I've committed every one of those. I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I got saved a long time ago, but I know there's times I fail. James 2 says this, For whoever keeps the, keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point, is guilty of all. If you don't think you're a sinner and you yet answered yes to any of those questions I just gave you, that is enough to keep you separated from God forever and forever. We all are sinners. And the Bible tells us if we are sinners and we die without Christ in our lives, we'll be separated with Him forever and forever. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's physical sin, uh, physical death, that is spiritual death. But the good news of that is what? The good news of it, and there it is on the board. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus is offering you a gift. You can't do anything about it except to accept it. Can't work for it. Can't be good enough. Here's this free gift. You have a chance, opportunity, to accept this free gift. Well, how, how do I know that, that God really loves me? I've been a, I've been a, a toot all my life. I, I, I have nothing to do with God. How do I know he loves me? Romans 5, 8 says this. God demonstrated his love for me that while I was a yet sinner, Christ died for me. Even though you were a sinner, even though you're still a sinner, God died for you. And, and you can't find any greater love than that, okay, that God would do that. He demonstrated that on the cross with his son. Well, what do I, uh, what do I need to do? If I recognize I'm a sinner, I've never been saved before, the Bible tells us to do this. He says, if you'll just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And here's a great part of that verse. You will be saved. You will be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, will be saved. See, that's not rocket science, is it? That's just grace. That's just grace. That's all that is. Here's a free gift for everybody that wants it. If you'll just take it. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. 
You see, he's Savior by he's saving you. And so many of us just stop right there. I want that salvation. I want that card. I want that get out of, get out of fire. But we don't make him Lord. We don't submit to him. We don't make him our top priority. We don't love him with all of our heart and soul and mind. And the Bible says, if you're you're coming to me and you want salvation, you will make Jesus Christ your Lord, (laughs) you down here, and your Savior. It's kind of a two-edged sword, if you would, of the same sword. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Um, I would urge you to do it today if you've never been born again. If you've been in church all of your life and you think you're good to go, but the Holy Spirit's been working on you today and you're just not sure what's going on, well, come up here and let's talk. You see, eternity is serious business. And I showed you the, what heaven is and I showed you what hell is. And we're all going to be in one of those two places for eternity. Your choice, your opportunity is here today. Don't wait till next week. As the piano plays, let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask those who truly know they've been born again, I want you to pray hard for unbelievers. I want you to pray hard for people that are sitting here that have been deceived all of their life, that the Holy Spirit will work in their life right now. I want you to pray for the unbelievers who have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. The altars will be open. If you need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, come do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Come now as the piano plays. Don't let pride stand in your way.